Football on Off the Ball. With Sky. Watch over 400 games this season from the Premier League, WSL, Scottish Premiership, and EFL. Live on Sky Sports. Now then, you're very welcome back. So Andy Mitten, editor of United We Stand, is going to join us. Pat Nevin will be with us on the football show later on for a more general uh, roundup of events after weekend one in the Premier League. But Andy Mitten with us in the meantime because Manchester United seemingly uh, continuing the habit of grabbing the headlines and rare any of them are very good. 2-1 defeated home to Brighton. Booze at half-time. First defeat for a new manager. The Ronaldo situation remains uncertain. And dealings in the transfer market suggest uh, chronic dysfunction behind the scenes, I think it's fair to say. And then yesterday, uh, the fans' protest against their much-hated owners uh, continued as well. So, Andy, good times all round, really. Yeah, fantastic times. Um, Really bad result on the first day of the season for Manchester United. Not to beat Brighton and Hove Albion at home was poor. Brighton were excellent and fully deserved their win. They finished ninth last season in the Premier League. Um, They outsmarted Manchester United uh, tactically. I think by half-time they'd had 12 shots and Manchester United had had two. United had the early pressure and the mood has just slumped. A mood which had picked up pre-season, a good pre-season for Manchester United. Uh, I was there in in Thailand, in Australia and in Oslo uh, last weekend and I speak to lots of different people. It's my job as a journalist to have lots of different sources and the feedback I was getting back was was positive. I think it was always going to be because new managers tend to come in, make a few changes, and everybody goes, wow, you know, he's stopped them eating chips yeah. or he's finding them if they're two minutes late for a meeting. But I, I genuinely think that um, Ten Hag is a good manager. I think that the players do respect him. I think his record at Ajax proved that. Uh, he's had a bad opening day uh, result. Uh, hopefully for United fans, that is a bad result in isolation, but it was definitely worrying watching it, how easily Brighton cut United open, especially in the middle. And that's one uh, the, the area where there's a, a big issue of concern for Manchester United fans. And movement in the transfer market today. So the reporting is that Adrian Rabiot, 27 year, years of age at Juventus, terms have been agreed and they just have to discuss uh, personal terms. Look, it's clear United need to get players in. This probably suggests that they're very unsure about Frankie de Jong happening. On Rabiot, he's not a bad player for sure and it certainly doesn't hurt the situation. But uh, it does, more importantly, speak of the the dysfunction around Manchester United's transfer dealings and, and the extent to which other clubs now look at them and think we can take advantage here or there's a desperation here or there's just a lack of nous here. I saw an Italian journalist uh, make the point on Rabiot, for instance, 27 years of age. Uh, they have to agree personal terms. He is off the back of a pretty poor season with Juventus. He's fallen out of favour there. His contract expires at the end of this season. He's paid €9 million Euro a year, which means he has the second highest wages in the entire league. And the journalist put it that Juventus would actually have paid to get rid of Rabiot. Instead, United turn up and offer them 18 million. Yeah, well, you said it's clubs taking advantage. I don't think it's just clubs. I think it's agents as well. And if you combine that with Manchester United not being the, the power that they were, they're not the top dogs anymore. Mm. United can't offer Champions League football anymore. United are clearly a huge club. And I've been party to what's been going on this season. I knew about Arnautovic nine days ago. 
Um, I know a lot about what's going on with Frankie de Jong because I, I'm covering it from both sides, the Barcelona side and, and the Manchester United side. I know exactly what's going on there and have done for, um, for, for, for several months and, and it's still not been resolved. Um, with Rabiot, I've not, I didn't break that story. Uh, I rate him as a player in the games I've seen him. He was very effective for PSG twice against Manchester United. I know there's a lot of background stuff with him and Arnautovic as well, which could cause some concern. But your, your central point is that the recruitment doesn't seem joined up. And I think that's a fair thing to say and has been fair to say um, since 2013. From United's perspective, the, um, a lot of agents are trying to pull their pants down. That, that point was made to me um, early on in June. And I do think we judge this transfer window when it has finished. I know everyone's annoyed. And rightly so, after that Brighton result and the fact that De Jong hasn't, hasn't come in, uh, three players have come in. Are United fans doing cartwheels like they were a year ago after Ronaldo came in and, um, and Jadon Sancho and Rafael Varane? No, not at all. Uh, the, the recruitment is coming from the manager and he is the manager and he's being backed here. But there's a big disconnect there because I, I could tell you 10 players who Manchester United's scouting department have identified in, in recent years mm. and haven't ended up um, signing. And I could also tell you 50 players who they didn't sign have gone on to nothing as well as 10 who've gone on to do really things. Yeah. Not an ex exact science here, but it does all lead to the truth, which is a, a club which is still in a state of dysfunction. So what's happening with De Jong then? De Jong, um, Barcelona want to sell him. I, I think what will happen this week is Barcelona will put him under serious pressure. Uh, we've seen that today with the athletic story. I've also written a story today. I've got a lot of good sources at Barcelona. I would not be stunned if he wasn't selected to play the opening game on Saturday against Real Vallecano or the second game or the third game, which would be a big shock to his system because he has been a first choice midfielder for Barcelona and a pretty important player. And as I understand it, Xavi prefers the plays he started with on Sunday night against Pumas, which is um, Sergio Busquets, Pedri and Gavi in the middle. And it was put to me on Friday that if this happens, De Jong is going to have to seriously open his eyes to the fact that his future is not a, as bright at Barcelona as he thinks. And he needs to consider the offers which are on the table to him. So Paul Ladd has done nothing wrong. I think he'll be put under extreme pressure this month to leave Barcelona Manchester United have done a deal with Barcelona for him to move. They've not agreed personal terms. Chelsea have shown interest, but not put an offer in for him yet. Uh, there's been some issues between the relationship between Barcelona and Chelsea because of several transfers this summer, four transfers in total, which have ag agitated on both sides, more on the Chelsea side of things. Um, I spoke to people at Barca about United. They... They've done absolutely nothing wrong. They've been courteous. They've been very efficient in their demands. If I use a word like efficient on social media now, fans would just not have that at all because um, everyone's angry. They're really angry because United lost against Brighton and Ove Albion. And this Dijon uh, transfer has become a saga. And fans are, uh, are worried that it'll be a repeat of the Cesc Fabregas situation in 2013. And I've been given no indication that Dijon wants to join Manchester United. It was put to me again on Friday that United need to get in front of him and convince him to come. He has told two different people 
that if he did leave, he would prefer to go to, to Chelsea in London, but Chelsea have not put an offer in for him yet. I think he's the only player who Chelsea have not put an offer in in world football so far this season, but there you go. Arnautovic has been uh, generally ridiculed over the last 24 hours, which I think is harsh. He's not a bad player by any means, and he scored 14 goals in uh, Syria, but nor is he some kind of transformative uh, figure for anybody to get too excited about. You mentioned there there's some baggage with Arnautovic. You might expand on that for us, Andy. I think baggage in terms of some of the comments which have been perceived to be racist in the past. I've not looked too deeply into it, if I'm was on, if i honest. When I was told of him in Oslo last week, my first reaction was, mm, that's a bit left field. But it was explained to me that someone who was physically strong, who could come off the bench and make an impact in matches, who had already played in the Premier League, yes, he's 33, it wouldn't be an automatic starter. But the... the the forward line at Manchester United is is physically not as strong as it could be. That was the reasoning behind um, Arnautovic um, being courted by Manchester United by Eric Ten Hag. He knew the player w- when he was younger. Am I best qualified to say yes or no about him? No, I've not watched him. I really not. You know, I watched Bologna in a match seven years ago. I watched mm-hmm. him a little bit um, when he played in the Premier League. I'd, I'd rather speak to professional scouts who do that um, for, for for a job. I think the ridicule partly came because of uh, yeah, 33-year-old. It looks like United are signing a, a complete has-been. Again, fans are thinking, oh, no, this is Odion Igolo. What on earth are Manchester United doing? And, and I get all of those feelings. Um, but this is something that's coming from Ten Hag, and he, he's the manager of Manchester United, and he'll be the one who, who makes the decisions and lives or dies by them. I think it's just such a galling reality check when they look at Haaland across the road. You know, like it just uh, is yet another reminder of where the two clubs are and where Manchester United are in particular. So of the game at the weekend, uh, as you said, Brighton, uh, it just shows what, you know, a team on paper with lesser lights, but a coherent plan and a bit of confidence and a good manager can do versus a team still on very, very shaky ground. What jumped out, Andy, is the continuation of a theme from last year, which is that Manchester United are not a difficult team to play against when you are in possession of the football. And for much of the summer, uh, there was talk of Ten Hag and a high-pressing outfit and you know, a, a concerted plan in that department. And that went up in smoke pretty quickly. And, and I suspect, in part, that they were some of the reasons for the booze at halftime. There was a sense of, ah, oh, we give up on these players, you know? And uh, in some respects, if Ronaldo had been on the pitch in that first half, he would have been blamed for the lack of a pressing plan. It would have been said, well, you can't do it when one doesn't press. And actually, here was Ten Hag after a summer's work and it doesn't take talent to press. And that was what Manchester United served up. So I, I think fans were almost plunged right back into here we go again. Yeah, definitely. And, and I can't blame fans for thinking like that. Fans have been extremely supportive and they were actually while the game was being played against Brighton. Your first point's an interesting one and it's also a correct one. Uh, if you asked those Brighton and Ove Albion players, was that a difficult game to play in and against? You'd be surprised how many of them say no, not at all. Mm. Uh, Graham Potter, uh, he's been there for three years. I think he's in, t- in terms of getting things right. His team put four past United as recently as as May. Um, tactically, he, he's smart. I was talking to someone during the game yesterday. He works at an extremely high level as a football tactician. And he was just pointing out the flaws of Manchester United and what was going wrong and, and how Potter was overriding it. And 
I'm watching it and it's almost like being taught Basque. It's very difficult. I'm not, I'm not a high level. I've not got any um, UEFA pro license. I've not managed any professional football team. So I'm looking for guidance and watching it. I watch a lot of football. I can spot certain things, but it was fascinating to see someone in a professional capacity picking Manchester United uh, uh, apart and praising uh, Potter and Brighton absolutely deserved to win. I know, Gross got the goals in the man of the match. Danny Welbeck, a Manchester lad, a United fan, I thought he was, he was excellent. And with Manchester United, there's definitely a feeling, oh, no, not again. Are we back to... Yeah. Is this snakes and ladders? Have we come falling back to earth already after a pre-season, which was a good pre-season? Mm. It really was. I was there. I was speaking to lots of people. But the, the proof is in the competitive games, which we're seeing now. And August's a really important month. There's not two games like normal. There's five matches up to the 1st of September and United fans are not really in the mood for supporting and um, and not protesting because there's concern with the owners that has not gone away and the patience isn't as, as high as maybe it could or should be because every new manager is going to need time. The person you were chatting with in the stadium, what were some of the aspects with Manchester United that he or she was picking out and pointing to as being um, gaping deficiencies? Well, I'll read some of them back to you if you want. Yeah, please, for sure. Okay. Brighton have killed 10 hogs overload centrally. Um, you can get away with that style in Holland. It's completely different in the Premier League. Um, Ten Hag has not managed to adapt to Potter's tactical ad- adaptations. There's lots of work to be done here. He definitely needs new signings. Uh, United managed to get on the outside of Brighton's midfield three in the start of the first half when they pinned back their win backs and pushed Brighton back to a flat back five, managed to get Delot especially into a good position and created an overload centrally. Potter saw that he adjusted and Ten Hag did not manage to find other solutions. Also, United's press was poor, really poor. Maguire and Martinez didn't squeeze the line up. McTominay and Fred were in poor positions. There were big distances between the units where uh, when Brighton broke the first chain of United's pressure that they were in. So, you know, I'm listening to that and going... Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, I know what you're on about. Well, it, but you know, it points to one thing for sure is that Ten Hag, much like uh, players who play in the Dutch league and arrive in the Premier League and can be hit and miss, he is untested at this level. And here was, you know, a real test in Potter, a young manager, very on top of the current trends. And what we're hearing from that analysis is Potter got the best of it. And Potter's not the best manager in the league, so there's plenty more of that coming Ten Hag's way. That for sure is a worry. And like, as for Harry Maguire not squeezing up, I mean, again, Manchester United fans, same old story. He's he's frightened of his life of runners in behind. Yeah, and I, I know about to the knowledge there. What I'd say about um, Ten Hag, he, he's very respected. I know of a couple of clubs, major rivals of Manchester United, who've spoken glowingly about him mm. in private. Not not the public um, reaction that we saw when Ralph Rangnick came, where you had Guardiola and Klopp falling over themselves to say he's the greatest thing ever. More in private and. I think he's got good people around him as well. You've got four coaches there who've, who've all managed at the highest level in their, their own countries. Um, but it was definitely, I tweeted during the first half, welcome to the Premier League. It really is a big jump from uh, from Holland to, to the Premier League. And, and there are no real weak sides in the Premier League anymore. Long gone are the days where Manchester United would be winning 17 of the league games at home. Partly because United are nowhere near as good as they were. Partly because the rest are, are, are much, much stronger. 
And Brighton showed that. And you're talking about Brighton earlier on in the conversation not being as glamorous. Absolutely. But I looked at Brighton's bench. There were really good players on that bench. Yeah. The TV money means that they're all strong. None of this excuses the fact that Manchester United were were ripped open in the first half. And even when Ronaldo came on at half time, uh, it was too much for, for even for Ronaldo. But United have got to take the chances as well. Bruno Fernandes had a fantastic chance in the first half. And he put it way, way over. Some of the shooting was really poor. But then when you start without a recognised forward, you start with Christian Eriksen, you almost can see what is coming with Manchester United. That's why they've been trying to sign a striker. And Martial would have started. But again, nobody would have been cheering Martial onto no, the pitch. That's still, that that Martial is the new saviour still really stinks of pre-season hype. I mean, I just, I don't see it. I mean, hopefully, I've, you know, for, for his sake and his career, hopefully, you know, blows everyone out of the water. But um, that'd be a hell of a turnaround. I was uh, one of those that looked at the Ronaldo signing and thought this is a terrible idea. And Solskjaer at that stage, and it's not, you know, uh, too fashionable to say it now, but I felt Solskjaer at that stage, off, off that previous season, was building something and moving and, and Mason Greenwood was still available for selection. And there was a sense of, of possibility still and Ronaldo I suspect it was going to be very disruptive I'm now at the point where Manchester United look to be such a rabble where I think well you might as well just stick Ronaldo on and play him because he's about your best chance of nicking a goal like at half time Jamie Carragher on the TV was saying well just get Ronaldo on like he's, he's about their best bet at the moment and that is a sign of how badly United have fallen in the last 12 months I could argue very strongly for one hour each way about whether to keep Ronaldo or whether to sell Ronaldo. The bottom line is his position and situation needs to be resolved. It doesn't help anybody um, that there is uncertainty about his future because he has said that he wants to leave the club. I just don't think there's any suitors willing to come close to paying what he's on at Manchester United. Last season, he was a blessing and a curse. The best moments for United last season came through Cristiano Ronaldo. But he's 37. Is he going to press to that vision that Ten Hag wants? That that That's doubtable. I'm sure he's got uses, but you need more than uses of someone who's by a distance the best paid player in, in the English um, Premier League. When he did arrive, Ole Gunnar talked about great, great, great. And United fans, including myself, were really excited. But I always remember a chat four months before that when I was in Milan to cover a game and there was a story in the Italian media that Ronaldo was going to join United. And I checked it out thoroughly on both sides and came to the conclusion that the source of the story was Cristiano Ronaldo and Manchester United had absolutely no intention of signing him. So for him then to sign a few months later, on the last day of the transfer window, it raised eyebrows. But you want to believe as a football fan, you're thinking, great, you know, Manchester City were in for him. This could be good. It could be great. Varane's come in and Sancho's come in and it just didn't work out. And that optimism at the end of August, it evaporated um, with, within a month. And the terrible results of last autumn saw Swally Gunner losing his job. And, and as you say, before that, United had finished second. There were good signs there, lots of good performances, reached the European Cup final. But even then you had United fans saying, he's got to go, he's got to go, he's got to go. And I understand why he went when he did go, because results had fallen apart. But he was building something. And I know so many coaches there who were part of that, who really believed in it, that we were onto something. 
And uh, a lot of fans just weren't buying that line at all. They said, if you bring someone in, a tactical expert, someone like Ralph Rangnick, who knows how to get the best out of these players, then everything will improve. That didn't work out either. Yeah. I eat a fry every day this summer. Go from that building site. You know, now again, we didn't win, so maybe it wasn't the right thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I should have been there the food with the pasta. <laughs> OTB AM. Live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. Football on Off The Ball with Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, Scottish Premiership and much more live on Sky Sports. So the reason that the transfer dealings are falling on Ten Hag is that it seems like from a football point of view, it's been a basket case for the last decade at Old Trafford. And so he's gone for players he knows, be that Arnautovic or be that... Uh, Martinez and we'll have to see how they play out and, and Ten Hag deserves a bit of time it'd be very churlish at this stage of the season to start saying you know he, he, uh, there's, uh, he doesn't know what he's doing or, or, or uh, he's the big issue at the club he's a, he's a slight concern there's a question mark it's funny though they really passed on Conte and you watch Conte just putting together something so coherent at Spurs and it does show what is possible like Manchester United spent a huge amount of money and the reason I just bring it up is because Arnautovic, Rabio, uh, all of these kind of uh, out of nowhere left field moves. Like just reading about Spurs even today, they've just made their seventh summer signing and they've signed Destiny Adogi, who is a wing back in Serie A. He's 19 years of age. And along with Perisic, who also played wing back last year, uh, those two had the most goals and most assists of wing backs in Serie A. And so Perisic is going to obviously step in this year at 33 and support Sessegnon and will play a bunch of games and they've loaned Adogi back to Udinese and he's going to stay there for another year or two or three and mature and then swoop in behind Perisic when Perisic goes on. So already, like Conte has mapped out the next couple of years, it's coherent, it makes sense. I, I, I just, you, you just you, compare, you compare best practice with what is going on at Old Trafford and it's, it's an embarrassment that they thought they were in a position to pass on Conte. You're suggesting that Tottenham Hotspur might even win a trophy in the next five years. They'll win a trophy be before Manchester United, <laughs> for sure. Major surprise. I don't think you can say for sure because they haven't won anything. Maybe not, but they'll finish well above, comfortably above Manchester United this season, that much we can say. I think there will be favourites too, but I'd, I wouldn't I wouldn't say after one match that that's absolutely going to be hap- going to happen. This is Tottenham Hotspur you're talking about. This is a club with a history of shooting themselves. Mm. This, is the an, this, this is Antonio Conte we're talking about, and and it, it points to again. I don't know who Manchester United thought they were to pass on Conte. Mm. Well, they decided to pass on him, and that's a decision, and they'll live or, or die by. Do, by do that you decision. sense, Andy, they didn't want Conte because this has been said, and you'd have a sense of the club, and you can take a step back. They didn't want Conte because Conte's not a company man who'll do what he's told. And that is what they want, ultimately. I think there's definitely an element of that in it. And I spoke to a couple of players who played under Conte, uh, one of them with success. And that person said to me, uh, Conte will win you the league and then it'll all fall apart sure. in seasons to, to two and three. I think United fans would accept winning the league <laughs> and five, five years of, of nothing at the moment. Look, I can see that Tottenham are in a good place. Um their stadium is probably the best stadium in the league now. That's another area where Manchester United have, have fallen behind. Their recruitment, not for the first time, looks really, really uh, promising. They were in a very good place in 2019 under Pochettino. I watched them in the Champions League final. Just the idea of Tottenham Hotspur being in the Champions League final 
would have been a major surprise to me throughout my my entire life. But they're getting 61,000 all the time now. They are a big club. They're playing London. That's very attractive to players, to managers. And Conte's record has absolutely got to be respected. Mm. And comparing like for like now, Manchester United don't look like a favourable comparison um, between when when compared to Tottenham Hotspur. United have gone for Ten Hag. Um, I've got no problem with that appointment where we are at the moment. I've got a bigger problem with the recruitment. I think yeah. it should be judged properly at the end of August to see where Manchester United are at. I'm hugely disappointed with that performance and result against Brighton, but I'm not going to go overboard after one game. There's still 37 games left. That said, I don't think United will be coming close to winning the league this year. I think United fans, they want to see a discernible improvement in the style of play. I hope for a brighter future. Some of those players who were atrocious last year improving because they're not as bad as they were last year and then make some decent signings and look like it was heading towards where it was three years ago under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer before everything was undone in, in the autumn of 21. Yeah. Okay, so it's Brentford Saturday, half past five, and then the following Monday they have Liverpool. So I guess from a final thought, from Ten Hag's perspective, just steadying the ship and not letting this hold... Because like, even like there are very few teams who would lose in the opening day and we would say, well, let's do a piece on them on their own. But that is that is the Manchester United... Um, effect I suppose and and in fairness to him and he must have I'm sure like Penny for his thoughts he must have been thinking oh my god I can't believe this is the start I'm off to in fairness to him there was a real degree of composure in his post-match dealing he he didn't look like somebody who was totally wet behind the ears and rattled yeah but he's not He's, he's, he's a good manager this is a difficult month and it's got off to a really bad start Brentford were a team who somehow Manchester United managed to beat home and away last season uh, so they really need a win. And then we've got a break and um, Liverpool at home. I mean, I'll be walking into that game at Old Trafford. The last time I saw United against Liverpool, apart from that pre-season friendly in Bangkok, which uh, <laughs> only a friendly, was at Anfield and I stood in the away end and United were ripped apart, absolutely destroyed by Liverpool. Then there's a game at Southampton away. United always play away at Southampton in August, always draw the match. That's a draw. And then Leicester away on the 1st of September, then Arsenal at home. Really, really tough run of matches. If United are not showing something, it's going to lose all of those games. And last season, United did actually start the season well. I think there were four wins and a draw in the first five matches. So uh, I think United fans are right to have been worried about that that defeat yesterday. But... Tenag's got to to show his steel now. He's got to get something out of those players. I do think that there will be signings as well. But yeah, it it definitely seems like Groundhog Day as well. The the opening day defeat. And you're asking me now the day after a home defeat against Brighton and and I've got concerns like most United fans have. Andy, the only way is up. Thank you so much uh, for your time. Andy Mitten, editor of United Stand. Cheers, Andy. Thank you. Uh, our football coverage on Off the Ball is brought to you by Sky. You can watch every live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. Pat Nevin's going to be with us on the football show and we'll chat about the rest of the weekend. Football on Off the Ball. With Sky. Get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports.